0: owning your career, right? I always want to encourage women to not just go about their career very passively and hope for the promotion, hope that opportunities will pose themselves and that people within your network will know that you're a good quality candidate and bring them forward. But really take true ownership. And actually, if you're ready for a promotion, make it known let people know, start evangelizing it, ask what you can do or what you need to do to to move to that next tier and really own it. And I think that there's a lot of empowerment in knowing that you own your career and you own your path and you own your success. You own every part of it. You can make every decision and you can make anything that you want happen.
1: Welcome, I'm your host Dino Cattaneo and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. Last week we had a very powerful conversation with Zanika Chapman. The topic was bullying in the workplace. We addressed many angles of the issue, we talked about what you can do if you're a victim of bullying, we talked about what you can do if you peer of somebody who's being bullied, and we also talked about the measures that HR departments and leaders can take to avoid getting a bullying situation or a bullying culture in their workplace. After covering all these general topics, we also zeroed in on the fact that there is a specific issue that relates to bullying of women of colors in the workplace and that that needs to be addressed individually and it's an important issue to be addressed. That conversation inspired me to pick this week's guest. My friend Tania Montella is a coach who helps women manage their career. Often when people look for help in their career management, it's when they feel the need to make a change. But there's a lot more to it. The reality is that to have a successful career, you need to manage it proactively in every step. So Tanya had great advice covering every aspect of career management in many, many different situations. This is an episode that everyone will find incredibly helpful. Enjoy. Let's introduce you to our listeners. What are you doing now? And tell us a little bit of your journey. What is relevant for them to know as to how you got here?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So today I am a career coach for women. I primarily focus on women who are seeking uh, career change, career transition, and I work with them to help them to gain clarity on what it is that they want out of their career. And then we go from the beginning to end of the process in terms of helping them to make sure that they're painting the right story that they want to tell in their resume, getting their interview practice so that they go through it with confidence what led me here in terms of my journey <laughs> over my career i had navigated a number of career changes and throughout each process i found myself trying to find my way alone right <laughs> and trying to figure out how do i how do i paint this story to to show my transferable skills and show that you know i am equipped to do this next thing that i haven't yet done and so after doing that a number of times, I, I think I've kind of found the special sauce because I was successful each time. And now I, I seek to help women who are doing that and, you know, not, not allow them to do it alone.
1: <laughs> you said something in there, which I think it's incredibly important because people oftentimes when they want to make a change, they look at their resume and they look at a job that they want to get at and they have this voice inside their head, I'm not qualified, You've mentioned that you successfully sort of package, if you will, the work that you had done before and to get in something that maybe was not intuitive. Is there an example of that that you could share with our audience?
0: So I've written a guide, right? So in terms of being able to look at your resume and really tell the story, I give tips on looking at the job description and understanding you know, how they're phrasing certain qualifications that they're looking for so that, you know, you can also use the same type of phrasing in, in your resume and just really make it obvious to them as to how your skills are transferable to that particular role and how you're a great candidate for it.
1: Is there a personal experience you'd be willing to share as to how you have applied these principles into your own career thinking?
0: A personal experience that worked for me, yeah. I would say, okay, so we'll we'll piggyback on the the resume topic. Something that's really worked for me is just... Like I said, looking back at really understanding, and this is also something that I I really love doing, um, when it comes to identifying what career you want to step into next, I've always been very mindful. Mindfulness is also very a key aspect of this. Mindful of the things that I've done in my past and what I really love the most and why I loved it. Because that helped me to narrow down, okay, I like helping people. Okay, well, that's a very broad statement, right? (laughs) So I had to to get more specific. Well, in particular, I like helping women, women who have been in the position that I've been in before. A lot of the roles that I'd held before were really based in learning and development and training. And I really liked training people and helping them to understand something and seeing the light bulb moments and them go off and get it and need me less. (laughs) That's what I always say. So really understanding those key things and identifying you know, your own journey and your career And using that to be a key, I would say, guide to understand what you want to do next in your career.
1: And if you if you look back far back in your career, what was the first moment when you had to face a transition? And and what were some of the, the challenges that you overcame in that situation?
0: Great question. I would say the first transition was going from. Working with clients directly on managing their digital marketing campaigns, to teaching, you know, customers that were doing it for themselves how to do it effectively. <laughs> so, so making that transition to being, you know, kind of a, a do-it-for-you service to educating other businesses and how they can do it themselves. The biggest challenge I saw there was kind of. Distilling down my, and this is what led me to learning and development because I thought it was very intriguing to do this. Taking all the information that I had because it was very easy for me, but to somebody who's new to digital advertising, particularly using the platform that I worked for at the time, having to help them understand how to do it in a very simplistic way that doesn't overwhelm them <laughs> was a challenge for me because I'm taking all of my knowledge that I know very well and I could speak to it, you know, till I'm blue in the face, all the different acronyms and things like that. But then really drilling it down and helping somebody to learn how to use that platform to run their digital marketing campaign step by step, again, in a way that they wouldn't be overwhelmed by it. That that was a learning curve for me.
1: At what point in your career did you start narrowing down sort of like consciously thinking of like, okay, okay this is what I like doing. This is sort of the passion that I want to pursue. And what were some of the aha moments into get into there?
0: Yes. So I would say what I mentioned before in terms of noticing a trend or a theme around the things that I was doing and, and the things that I liked the most, training people, helping them to understand things, um, having them be able to go off and do something on their own without you know needing my expertise and needing to lean on me so much those were the key themes, but the aha moment for me was and this is what really helped me to to narrow down my focus on helping women with their career change. The aha moment for me was, you know, that's how it took form in the corporate world. But once I started noticing more and more that people were sending women my way who needed this type of, of advice in their career, I started noticing it pick up speed. <laughs> more and more women were coming my way or being sent my way. And I noticed how much they were getting out of the advice that I was giving them. and then in return how much fulfillment I got out of helping them in a, just a 30 minute conversation, you know it wasn't like this built out program that I have now. We weren't you know meeting for weeks on end and taking them through exercises or anything like that. It was just being an ear to listen to and then giving them advice that was specific to what they were experiencing in their journey at that moment I think was the most impactful thing. and that's what the light bulb moment for me where I said, okay, I like teaching people, I like helping people. But it's it's gonna take shape in this way.
1: As you look back at sort of some of the experience that may not be intuitively tied to this teaching, is there anything that you know you're like, oh that maybe at the beginning of my career at some point it didn't seem really related to my passion, but ultimately it helped me. What is what is an example of that?
0: So I would say, as I started to get more narrow, right? I started with, you know, teaching other businesses, and then so I held accounts <laughs> and working with the clients directly, and then I went into doing more internal learning and development. So teaching employees, um, employees who were onboarding and new to the company, and that's when I started to feel more of a connection because these are, you know, working with clients is very different. You're not with them day to day, but when you're teaching employees and you see them day to day and then you start to see them grow, you know, once they're in the position that they came on board to to fill, you start to see the, the fruits of your labor, so to speak, <laughs> more than you would by working with a client who you don't interface with more frequently. And so that's where I said, okay, I feel more of a connection with these people because they're internal and it's a smaller scale. It's not these clients that have these big businesses that, you know, I'm not as intimately in tune with as they are. So I think that's really what led me closer to my path of understanding. It's really at the individual level, you know, it went from like, corporations to employees to, at this point, now it's on an individual basis.
1: What was a challenging moment for you that maybe led to, you know, a turn or learning that you were not expecting?
0: I would say when it comes to starting my own business one thing that I wasn't expecting was observing and I'm just going to be completely honest here <laughs> observing how disposable an individual can be at a corporation regardless of performance that is where I said okay anything can happen market conditions <laughs> anything can cause you know layoffs I mean you name it right anything can happen and you can lose your job tomorrow and I said I want to be able to build something for myself that, you know, is more that I have more control of, right? That was something that I didn't think of learning because all my life, all my career, and I think this is why people always push women to me to get career advice. I've been known as like the career woman, right? Like the corporate professional woman that seems very successful and works for these businesses that are well known. And so that that was very different for me to even explore the concept of opening my own (laughs) my own practice
1: (laughs) so this leads me to my next question which is inspired by your fabulous podcast career change champions and everybody should go and check it out career change champions Um, one of my favorite episodes is the one where you're talking to your husband about the fact that he actually helped him launch his own business so the question is this How was the experience of working so closely with your husband as he was launching his own business? And how has that experience prepared you for your own business launch?
0: Great question. So I primarily, you know, I stepped into the role of the digital marketer, right? Everything that I had been doing in the corporate world. And that was kind of the role that I played as well as investor. (laughs) So, So it was really working behind the scenes to help build the brand from networking with the people that I knew graphic design wise to build the logo, to me myself building the website, which I hadn't done before, but nowadays, you know, website platforms are quite intuitive. So (laughs) I was able to to figure it out on my own. To, you know, just everything, the the signage, I mean, everything like that uh, that goes in into marketing a business. That is kind of the role that I stepped into. And what I found was again here I am being behind the scenes helping another business to flourish right just as I had done in the corporate space I'm helping all these businesses to be successful and run their digital advertising and so what was eye-opening for me was I'm doing it for other businesses including my husband's why am I not doing it for myself <laughs> clearly I can do this companies hire me to do this now I'm doing it for my husband and it's it's working it's worked in all facets like why am I not building my own dream.
1: And what was the experience of working with your husband? That's come from a little bit my personal experience. I find that the dynamic of working with your spouse requires additional communication skills, if you will. What were some of like the biggest lessons in working with them that then you are taking into your work with your clients now and you know, maybe delivering messages that are challenges at times?
0: I would say... The biggest thing with working with my husband was just knowing our respective lanes, right? Because he was while I was taking on the the marketing side of the business, you know, he was filling the the role of like the the face. He was the operator. He was the person who was training everybody and the person that would greet everybody. Like he was the individual that was running the gym from sunup to sundown. And so he was doing more of the business operations, like the You know, maintaining the books on the back end and things like that, that I knew nothing about. So I really had to make sure that I stood my ground when it came to like the branding and and the marketing side and speak up for those things that I felt very confident in my capabilities of doing. And he would have to, in turn, like accept my expertise and say, okay, you you know, you're the one, (laughs) you're the one that knows this stuff. Yeah, let me, let me go ahead and um, take your recommendation. And on the flip side, if it was something related to, maintaining the books or just something, you know, business operations wise that I didn't have expertise in, I would have to say, okay, well, that's your lane. And you know that I'm going to trust your decision. (laughs) I think that was very important.
1: And how does some of that dynamics translate in your work with your clients right now?
0: I think it, it relates to my message to all the women that I work with, which is owning your career, right? Like, I owned my my lane when I worked with my husband to build his business and when it the way that it, I think it translates to you know my clients is owning your career right I always want to encourage women to not just you know go about their career very passively and hope for the promotion hope that opportunities will will pose themselves and that people within your network will, you know, know that you're a good quality candidate and bring them forward but really take true ownership and actually, you know, if you're ready for a promotion, make it known. Let people know, start evangelizing it. <laughs> Ask what you can do or what you need to do to to move to that next tier and really own it. And I think that there's a lot of empowerment in knowing that, you know, you own your career and you own your path and you own your success. You own every part of it. You can make every decision, and you can make anything that you want happen. There's a lot of power and strength in that. Once you realize, listen, I don't have to stay at this job that I hate. You know, I I don't have to continue doing this thing because I'm a little bit burnt out by it, to be honest, and this other thing interests me more. Once you know, like, yeah, I don't have to stay here. I can do something different. And you have the confidence to be able to present yourself in a way that will set you up for those types of opportunities. Sky's the limit.
1: That's a great answer because it it actually segues very nicely into the next area that I wanted to cover, which is all the fabulous career advice that you have. Use the term owning your career, managing your career proactively. And, And I think this advice applies not just to women, but really to everyone. So what are some of the steps that everybody should take, whether or not they like their current job? You know, steps to be proactive in managing a career. Think about it as like sort of basic work hygiene, good habits that have to be built in to be mindful about the fact that you're basically in charge of your career every day.
0: Yeah, I would say one, it's that mindfulness. Taking a moment to just evaluate where you're at in your career, whether that be your your current role, the team that you're on, your manager, the company that you work for just evaluate evaluate your your surroundings. I don't think we do that enough. We don't take a moment. We you know, we're just in the rat race where <laughs> we're doing our jobs every day. We don't really take time to think how we feel about it one way or another until it's too late like oh shoot, you know, <laughs> this reorg is happening and now I have to rethink my career. So I think it's taking a moment to just pause and reflect on your current situation and what you like or do not like about it. The things that you don't like that's what you want to look to change. And so then it becomes a matter of, okay, well, what do I need to do to change this? If it's the environment or the team or the manager, it might be a matter of better communication or it might be a matter of, you know, let me go ahead and brush off my, my resume, make sure that it's ready for anything that could happen, whether it's by choice or not, and really owning it that way, right? I think a lot of us also, we don't touch our resume unless we need to. I think it's important to keep that up to date.
1: I want to go back just for a second to the, the mindful assessment. I think that it's on an intuitive level thinking, okay, I am happy. I'm not happy, etc. But what are some of like the maybe deeper, less intuitive questions, areas that you should work at in your work environment to kind of like assess where you are and how your current position is playing out in your career overall?
0: So I think it, it's taking a look in, in those areas. The job that you're doing, the team that you're on, the person that you have as the, your leader, your manager, and the company you're working for. I would say look in those four areas and identify if there's something that's not working for you. Because if it's the, the work that you're doing, you're not fulfilled. You're not doing you know what makes you happy. And if that's the case, there's there's some digging to do to understand what, what does make you happy. And that's where it goes back to earlier, how I said reflecting on things you've done in the past that you really loved and why.
1: Many people think about career management only within the context of changing a job. But as you rightly pointed out, you should own your career anyway. So let's start from somebody who comes out of the assessment that you just said. They assess the leader the day-to-day work that they're doing, the company, the industry they're in. And they're like, there's a lot that they like there. And maybe they want to manage their career to progress in their current organization, but they, they, there may be areas they want to address. What are some of the steps and what benefits could they get in working with a career coach, even to stay within their company and progress within their company?
0: Yeah, I think to progress, being clear on what's required within your company to move up is very important. Sometimes, depending on the business, it may be a, a bit of a gray area. <laughs> um, and so, I think you know, working directly with your your manager to understand, listen, this is my ambition. What do I need to do, or what what types of work do I need to show that will allow you to see that I'm ready for the next move, the next position. And once you have that, that clarity and that transparency with your leader to know, number one, I'm ready for the next thing, because then they can, they can offer you opportunities. Hey, you know, this is a bit of a stretch assignment, but I know that you're ready to, to develop your career further. Would you be interested in doing this particular project or standing in front of this particular group and speaking on whatever topic it might be? They can bring to you more opportunities, but then you too are simply asking them outright What else can I do? What do I need to show you? And then it's a two way street, and you're really at that point working together to get you to the next level uh, because they have that understanding that you're ready for it.
1: Yeah, so this is really important. Many people are not necessarily comfortable having that conversation with their boss. And certainly there are situations where just walking in and advocating on your own behalf is out of line. But what is fair for somebody to expect out of the manager? And how should you assess the conversation in terms of the response that you get? So, you know, just to summarize it, what should anybody expect to be able to ask their manager if they ask it in a polite and civilized way?
0: I think what to expect is, well, what you would hope for (laughs) is openness from that leader, acceptance, encouragement, right? If that's not the response that you get, that is an indicator that it may not be the place that's going to allow you to grow because you don't have, have their support. I think the moment you open up that conversation to your your manager, you should be met with, okay, great. Let's talk about a plan for you. And not only openness, but action to say, I am invested in your career just as much as you are. Now that I know that you have this desire to move up in your career, let's work together to develop a plan and talk about what's necessary. I think that's really important. And to your point around broaching the the subject, which can be a little bit uncomfortable. I think it goes back to what you said earlier around the value that a, a coach can bring. Because not only can you practice that conversation with somebody, but then as long as it's somebody who comes from, I think, a similar world to you and you're not completely distant, that's why it's important when you're looking for a coach, you you find somebody that has the characteristics that you're looking for or has done what you've done, just so that you're on the same playing field. But you know, really it's to level set expectations, right? And then to be able to talk with them, okay, I had the conversation, here's how it went. Here was the response, here's the next step, or it didn't go so well, they don't support me. And <laughs> maybe this isn't the place for me. I mean, to, to navigate in whichever response you get and to have somebody alongside you to to really coach you and mentor you through, through that, really important because doing it alone, it, it, it can be so shaky because you just don't know what to say. And then depending on the response you get, you don't know what to do from there
1: <laughs> i want to build on that response so if if i think about you know you're in a corporation and you're managing your career there's a couple of situations that are very clear cut you love the business you're in you love the company you love your team you love the work you're doing you have a great relationship with your manager well it's pretty easy other side you hate everything about the job <laughs> right well that's an easy answer too but i think there's one particularly tricky situation which is exactly what you just mentioned. So let's say that I'm in my dream industry. I'm in my favorite company. I actually like the work that I'm doing and love my team, but the conversation with my manager is problematic. And everybody says that people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. So what are some courses of action that you can take if you still want to lo- you know, if you want to keep this job that you love? Uh, where maybe you have a problematic relationship with your manager?
0: Problematic relationships with managers is is such a large topic, right? And my my response to that is coming from me who doesn't come from an HR background. So I'd be curious what an HR professional would say to this, but. I always think that that's where it's HR's role to be the support system, you know, in something that you're not if you're not getting that from your manager. So, going to your HR business partner, letting them know in this particular instance, this example that we're talking about, I'm ready for career growth. I spoke to my manager about it and shared this information with them. Unfortunately, I didn't get the support. Um, They they aren't invested in you know establishing a plan, and I'm not sure where to go from here or how to advocate for myself further. And the HR business partner should be that that support system for you to help you either navigate that conversation with the manager and be the mediator and say, hey, you know let's help this person out. This is what we're here to do or give you give you the support that you need or tell you where you can get the support if it's not directly from your manager, unfortunately.
1: I just want to add one quick observation to that. That conversation with the HR person I think is a conversation that you should go in knowing that that is actually something that's going to tell you a lot about the company and the culture. To me, it's it's a little bit of a deal breaker in terms of my relation with a company if you find out that you don't have that lane of support that, that you can safely go to. So that was like a, just a little parenthesis. Okay. So, we've talked about ways to advancing and keeping your career within the same company. Let's say you've done that assessment and the outcome of the assessment is that definitely that's not the company where you want to spend the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may There's two of those. There's one like, well, I, maybe like, you know, I got one more year, two more years left. And then there's like, I got to get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> yeah. What are some things that you should do in case one, which is okay, definitely not a place for the long run.
0: Get acting immediately. <laughs> Dust off the resume, get clear on what you want to do you know, start networking, talking to other people and find out the people that love their jobs and love the company that they work for and get a sense of what you want to do next. Just so that you always have that clarity. Because again, if it's something that's more of like, oh, I could I could stay here for another year or so, but it's not for the long run, like you just said, then you have that time. But it also takes time to get clear on what and where <laughs> you want to go next, right? So I think it's just establishing that.
1: Great. And then if we go to the other scenario, the got to get the hell out of Dodge scenario, (laughs) what are some of the most important steps you need to take to make sure that you're not going from the frying pan into the fire? Meaning, what do you need to do to avoid making a mistake just because your decision is driven by the need to leave?
0: Yes, so important because this also comes into play even when people are are just in their job search and they've been searching for months and they're they're desperate at that point for a different reason. And I would say making sure that you're clear on your values and what's important to you out of an employer and sticking to that, right? You have to be (laughs) you have to hold yourself accountable to make sure that you're not just taking the next offer because out of desperation for whatever reason that desperation is for you. So being clear on what's important to you. If what's important to you is a company that offers you autonomy and flexibility to grow and gives you learning opportunities, then you need to make sure that when you're coming into those interviews, you're asking questions that can inform you as to whether or not that's that's true at that business. Networking is another part of it. Speaking to employees that are currently there and asking, Hey, does this show up in the workplace? Or are there opportunities like this? Um, does this seem important to the business? And really getting clarity on that and making sure that if you're going to jump into something that it's going to align with you just as equally as you align with it.
1: That's fabulous. And I'm going to have one final question on this topic. And it is sometimes we have no control over the situation when we end up in this terrible position and either somebody else makes a decision for us or we reach a breaking point and we decide can't deal with it. I'd rather just not be here. I think we're in an environment where empty spaces on your resume are looked at differently than they were in the past. But what are two or three things that you can say to somebody in that position to say, there's hope, don't give up?
0: It's so true because it's something that I see now with job seekers. On average, people are searching for three to six months. And then you're seeing the the people who after that time they're they're announcing, hey, I've gotten this fantastic job opportunity. I think seeing seeing that happen for other people is one thing to, to lean on to say it will happen. It's just either a matter of time or it's a matter of getting the help that you need and, and working with somebody to understand, like, why aren't you getting the the callbacks from your resume? What is it about your resume that's not resonating? Or why aren't you able to make it through the end of the interview stage? Is it some way that you're not presenting yourself properly or you're not asking good questions? And I think that that really is what it comes down to is just knowing that it's going to happen. I mean, (laughs) it it has no choice but to happen for you in terms of an opportunity presenting itself and being a perfect fit. But you just have to stay focused and you have to stay persistent. I think that's the other thing is like giving up is not going to give you your, your dream job, right? So making sure that you, you know, have that encouragement from others who are going through it as well, or who can just remind you, listen, you're, you're a great candidate and people are going to to see that.
1: Fabulous. All the advice that you've shared so far applies to everybody, but I want to take just a few minutes at the end to talk about the specific group of people that you work with, which is women. What are some of the challenges that are unique to women in managing their career? And what is some of the advice that you have for them?
0: What I see the most with the women that I work with is a lack of confidence and a lot of limiting beliefs that are feeding that lack of confidence. They're thinking, oh, you know, I'm just not good at, at interviewing. You know, I just, I get, I get really jumbled up in my words and, and I'm just not good at it. But when you speak to them, that doesn't show up at all. <laughs> and so you you just have to let them know and, and encourage them and remind them like, you are a great speaker you know if it's in times of, of stress or you know you're feeling the need to match and mirror that person because they're speaking quickly and you don't have the ability to do that maybe that's why that's showing up but really it it comes down to those two things primarily and like I said they feed one another and so the advice that I always give is it's always tailored to that individual because if, if they think they're not good at the one thing and when I talk to them every single time they do appear to be very good at it, I have to let them know that and I have to give them specific examples. For example, you just said to me, you know, XYZ and just encourage them and let them know you actually can do these things. You're probably thinking it's worse off than what it is, but that lack of confidence is showing up for you, you know, in front of the employer and that's the disconnect. Your confidence and your abilities is not translating because you think (laughs) that you're coming off in a certain way or you think that you're not qualified and that's not your decision to make that's theirs
1: fabulous okay i'm gonna now move to the personal (laughs) world of tanya (laughs) what's a hobby or a passion that you have and how is that showing up in your work
0: i love to paint and i love to listen to music (laughs) Um, so obviously i tend to do both how does it show up in my work well i guess the biggest the biggest comparison i can make is each of my clients that I work with, I think of as a different painting, right? <laughs> so I have to use a different palette for that person. I have to maybe play a different you know, type of music in the background to make sure that my, my message is resonating and that I am giving them exactly what they need so that the final product of that, that painting shows up to be what they're looking for.
1: That's fabulous. And now the question, as you know, my favorite question of the podcast. <laughs> What is the business cliche or expression or jargon that drives you crazy?
0: The one that comes to mind is just, <laughs> is circle back. I mean, I don't know why it just, every time I hear it, it's like, you could say anything you could say, I'll, I'll follow up with you. Or one thing to just go back to the topic we had before, but just circle back. I don't know why <laughs> it's something so simple and so harmless, but for me, I don't know. I feel that we can find a better way to phrase that.
1: (laughs) That's fabulous. Final question, food for the body or food for the soul. And you could do both if you want, but like the food for the body would be a recipe or a drink that, you know, inspire you or that you go to when you need just a break from the rest of the world. Or if you go the soul route, a piece of music, a painting, a book, a movie, a piece of art, a play, something that inspires you.
0: Well, I'm going to go the soul route. Music depends on your mood, of course, as you know, but when I am looking to be empowered as I like to empower other women, I tend to go for like some of the more modern Beyoncé songs. <laughs> Those just really really energize me. There's a lot of power behind her music um and her lyrics nowadays and they're very female forward. So I'm going to I'm going to say that in general.
1: That's perfect. All right, Tanya, it's great to have you As a guest on my podcast, it was a ton of super informative tips and information. I hope really that people take the time to listen and and look at their career where they are and self-reflect. Thank you so much for being part of this.
0: Thank you, Dina. This is great.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, find a friend who may enjoy it and tell them that they should listen to it. And if you really like the show, tell your friends and post about it in social media. Every little bit helps. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode when I release them. And if you listen on a platform that allows reviews like Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, leave us a great rating and a review. We appreciate it. And remember, the best review left before the end of August will get a free copy of Susan Catano's album All Is Quiet. Which reminds me, stay tuned because at the end of the credit, I will play one more song by Susan Cattaneo. You can find Tanya online on our website, Tanyampowers.com, which is spelled T-O-N-Y-A-E-M-P-O-W-E-R-S.com. And you can find her on LinkedIn at the same address, LinkedIn.com backslash in backslash Empowers. Her podcast is on all platforms and it's called Career Change Champions. You can find me online at al4ep.com with the number 4 and you can email me at dino at al4ep.com. On Twitter and Instagram, look for at al4edp with a D. The episode was produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, with additional edits by Pro Podcast Solutions. It was recorded remotely using Squadcast.fm and the theme music was composed, produced, recorded and arranged by Nicolas Cattaneo who also played keyboards and drums with Tony Savarino on guitar and Jesse Williams on bass. The Susan Cattaneo song that I chose today is not new to you but it contains a message that is particularly relevant to this episode as it is a reminder to focus on the things that really matter in life. It's called Work Hard Love Harder and here is presented in the acoustic version recorded with the Boxcar Lilies from Susan's album The Hammer and the Heart. Enjoy!
2: the heart beats louder than the dollar shines light in a world gone darker draws joy in permanent marker work hard Valentine's got a job to do. Punches in his time card, then he's coming for you. You pray to St. Joe for that 9 to 5. You should be praying to St. Valentine. in time around, 20, 30, 40 years fly through, suddenly you're wondering where'd your dreams get to.